Hey guys, it's Dawn. If you would like to hear the How My Parents Raised Me podcast ad-free, and if you would like access to subscriber-only episodes, join me in the What's the Truth community. You can join via the Apple Podcast app. There's a link right there in the app. Or go to whatsthetruth.supercast.com. Links are in the show notes. Don't miss out on all the extra content I'm sharing. I can't wait to see you over there. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. As anybody who's a people pleaser will know, or someone who has anxious attachment, like you're the perfect person to join with someone who's selfish or lazy or narcissistic because they're looking for someone or dependent. They're looking for someone to take over their life and do it for them. And, you know, people please are more than happy to, because then you feel valued out of being needed. And I think that's such a problem for so many women in this world. Welcome to How My Parents Raised Me. I'm Dawn Chitty. When we are born, we arrive here as pure and perfect souls. And the direction our life takes from that moment is deeply connected to what our parents bring to our lives. And what our parents bring to our lives is deeply connected to what their parents brought to their lives. And that's the cycle of families. I have always craved connection with real and raw stories to understand what makes you, you, what makes you the absolutely unique human that you are. Stories are medicine for the soul. They can connect us and they can change the world. And so in this podcast, I'm listening to beautiful souls sharing their story, what happened to them, how they got through and how they have healed and thrived despite everything to arrive right here in this moment. Content warning, if you are triggered by the themes of this podcast, please seek a helpline in your city. Hello, my beautiful friends. Welcome to this quick chat episode. Heather's mum was magical. She was exquisite and cultured and fun. She also suffered with schizophrenia. Heather's mum suffered terribly when her own mum died, which resulted over time in her mum taking her own life. 
Heather grew up in this magical world of her mother's making, which helped her to see how fluid our sense of reality is, how much we can influence our own reality. Heather is now called the Reframe Queen of Orange County. She asks us to connect in with what am I thinking? What am I choosing? Why am I choosing this? Ultimately leading to the question, are my thoughts allowing me to heal? And please don't miss Heather's TEDx talk. The link to the talk is in the show notes. We pick up this chat as Heather is describing the magic of her mum. She was magical. She was fairy. And so like she had a coat named Ivan, which was this white furry coat. So it was a polar bear that would hug her. Her cars were all named. We spoke to fairies in the in the yard. And whenever it rained, it was fairies dancing on our, our hood. So she brought magic. She brought wonder. We hunted for four-leaf clovers. And when we found them, she would say it was because we were a fairy, because only fairies can find four-leaf clovers. So she was really magical, unbelievably creative, a great writer, incredible with like stitching and baking. And she wrapped the most perfect presents. She had an elegance about her. She had an exquisiteness about her. Very, very refined and cultured and beautiful, just beautiful. And then we had our moments where it was just wild and crazy and insane, but she felt the need to share deep truths. So she would talk about the Mayan tribe and she would talk about Alan Watts and she'd talk about Freud and so many things, Adler, so many things that were way over my head, but I, I, I grew to try to connect with realities and thought processes and just the different aspects of how you you live in this world. I had to do a lot of work after she killed herself to learn how to be me and how to really find what I believed and to deal with that loss and to deal with what happened afterwards with my father. But I would completely not be who I am without her. Mm. That's for sure. My father too, but especially my mom. Yeah. She does sound so magical. What sure. at what point as a, a little girl did you kind of realize that she was different? Like was there a, a sort of a moment where you realized yeah. mum's different? I was eight and we were at the laundromat and she had this little game. She used to play with Christy and I, or so I thought it was a game. And when mom was tired of being mom, she'd become Judy and Judy would step in just for a little while, kind of like a babysitter. She never did it in front of my dad. She never did it in front of other people, though we didn't spend a lot of time with other people, which I'm sure was on purpose Mm. so that people didn't see the alcoholism. And so people didn't, didn't see what was really going on. People after she passed, told me they could tell there was something wrong. I'm like, thanks, but they never said anything or did anything, but they were worried and concerned from afar, I guess. But when I was eight and we went to the laundromat, she was Judy. And so when Mr. Chen came up to her and said, you know, hello, Virginia, she said, I'm not Virginia. 
I'm Judy. And I, he looked at me and I didn't know what to say. And he looked back at her and she said, you know, Ginny's gone away for a little while. And I saw his whole face just go blank. And he walked away. We did our laundry. And as we were walking out, he came up to me. I remember I was eight. And he said, are you okay? And I remember looking at him and with a really huge smile, I said, I don't know. And then we just walked off. But at that moment, I knew something's really not okay. Mm. And then it was about two years later until we went just off the rails. When I was 10, it was bad. Her mother died, which was really hard on her because she hated her mom. And so her mom, her mom was massively abusive, emotionally, mentally, physically. I don't know about sexually, but definitely the other ways, massively when she was a child. And so I think she had always really hoped that at some point that relationship would be restored or healed. And when her mom died, it it sent my mom into a deep, deep darkness of she was never going to be loved by her mom. Mm -hmm. And as far as she experienced, she never had been. I don't think her mom really wanted children. I, I don't. I know she didn't want to be a grandma. So I imagine she probably didn't want, she didn't treat my mom like you would think a mom would treat your child. So it was more my mom, my mom was there to serve my grandmother. Do you think your grandmother had mental health issues herself? She very well may have. She certainly was hurting deeply. Mm -hmm. So something, we only hurt when we've been hurt. And she was a, she was a, a, a tough, hard, cold in a lot of ways woman and so she must have been very very hurt I don't I don't know how or when or why I came from the generation that you really didn't talk about your childhood at all so I don't know very much at all about my grandparents lives I know quite a bit more about my mom and dad but not my grandparents and they that they would pick moments which were like their stellar moments to share like being homecoming queen or, you know, being the radio personality or winning the bake show. But they didn't, they didn't talk about what went on for them. Yeah. She had to have had something because she was very, she was very cruel. Mm. She's very cruel. And I know that all comes from us just wanting to be loved and not feeling loved and not knowing how to cultivate that for ourselves or cultivate that with others And that can make us very, very cruel in what we do out of that internal hurt. Mm. And so I think that's been a lot of my walk in this life is trying to look at how do we help people who are all hurting, love themselves, love others, show compassion, and not inflict more pain and suffering. It's, It's fascinating how when someone we're in a relationship with is is upset and mad and angry and will say to them, you know, you you need to go change your attitude for me to love you. Come back when you've changed your attitude. And, And we think we're being helpful, but the truth is the reason they're acting out, the reason they're, they're upset is because they're, 
they're not feeling loved. And so what we're technically saying to them is, I'm not going to love you, even though you're not feeling loved. So you go figure yourself out. And when you can come back and love me, then I'll love you. And that's kind of a microcosm of what a lot of us do in relationship. Instead of looking at the person who's really upset and hurting and saying like, I'm not okay with the way this is going down, but I can tell you're hurting. And when we can talk about it or explore it without you needing to hurt me, I want to, because I see you're hurting. That's a different relationship. And so I try to show people, how do you do that? How do you look at how you're treating yourself, how you're treating others, how people are treating you and recognize if it's not feeling good, if it's not feeling supportive, if it's not enjoyable, then there's love missing somewhere, either with me, either with you, either with the situation. And whoever happens to be aware of it can bring it. And then people will say, well, why do I have to be the one who does? And I always say, well, you, well, you don't, but you're wanting it. So ask yourself, do you want to feel more loved? And they say, yes. And I'm like, well, you can. You can right now by choosing to care for yourself in this moment and then see if you can care for the person that you're with also. And there'll be a little internal wrestle of like, well, why do I have to do it? And like, mm, why don't we think about it the other way? Oh my goodness, I can do this to change this. So we actually cultivate some love here. And they kind of go, yeah, that makes sense. I'm like, yeah. But we are so stuck thinking in a commodity base of relationship. You know, if you don't do this, then I won't do that. And it's it's just so it's just so childish because if you don't like what you're getting, giving it back is just making a whole lot more of what you don't like. Mm. It just drops you down into the other person's vibrational place. So if you come to me and your vibration feels darker, heavier, deeper, I have a choice, which is, do I drop down where you are and now I feel yucky with you? Or do I take a deep, deep breath and, and realize, wow, you're coming at me in such a lower place. Shoot, I don't want to join you there. What can I do to hold on to mine? And then there's a self-responsibility to know if I'm going to hold on to mine, I got to realize what's going to be coming my way is going to be darker, deeper, heavier, probably crueler. And that doesn't mean that I have to take that as my truth. It's yours. That's something that I learned from living with my mom. Mm. The reality she would come with didn't always fit mine. I needed to try to hold on to mine, but I also needed to recognize that that was hers. And if I wanted to, I could join her or I didn't have to, if it didn't serve me, but I'm, I help clients be very mindful of that. What's the energy that's going on between the two of you. If it's not benefiting you, if it's not helpful, if it's not honoring the two of you, then be careful of stepping in further because you want to make certain you don't make a situation worse. Mm. What you just said is everything. I just love that explanation. It's just like if everybody in the world could understand that, could you imagine like how the world would change? It's just so simple. 
It is so so silly that we don't know it. Whenever my kids were upset with me, they come into the room and they'd say, we need to talk. I'd say, absolutely. Do I have permission to share one thing first? And they, you know, yes. And I'd say, (laughs) I love you so much. Mm. And they'd go, mom. I'm like, yeah, come here, come here. (laughs) Like my face, tell me what I need to do to try to help. Like what's not right. And they would just cry and I would just cry. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. I had an amazing awareness with my daughter one time. So she she needed to go to the doctor to get a vaccine before she was going to India. And she didn't understand. And so she didn't go to our doctor. She ended up going to the free clinic and she called me because it was $300 at the free clinic for the shot. And I said, where are you? And she told me, I'm like, why aren't you at our doctor? And she said, I, I thought I was supposed to do it here. I'm like, no. So she was frustrated. And she said, well, I'll go then. I'm like, well, honey, you can't. You had to have an appointment. Just go ahead and get the shot. Don't worry about it. Like, you need to have it for your trip. And come home and, you know, we'll figure it out. And she did this big huff. And so I said, I'm really sorry you're so frustrated. And then she said, I wasn't until I got on the phone with you. And I went, I'm going to get off the phone now and we can talk about this when you get home. And I hung up the phone and I wanted to go ballistic. I really, really, really did. Like, how could you talk to me that way? And now I'm the mom and I have to pay the $300 and I talk about But I knew none of that was going to do any good. So I looked at it for what it was. She's a young girl. She's confused. She always feels guilty when she wastes my money because I'm a widow. So I work really hard and she's very mindful of that. And I knew she was just frustrated. So by the time she came home, I decided it was over. Didn't matter. You know, I worked that day. So the $300 just went away. That's okay. I didn't make any money that day, but that's okay. Like there was money to pay for it. And I was in a great mood. So she came home, she walks into my room and she's pissed still. And she starts in with the you know defensiveness. I didn't know. And you didn't tell me. And like, it's not my fault. And, da, 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 da. and I just took a deep breath. And I said, sweetheart, look at you and look at me. What do you mean? I said, exactly what I said. Take a deep breath. Look at how you're talking and how you're feeling. And look at me. She goes, what? I said, we are in different realities. Yours mm-hmm. is defensive, angry, frustrated. And mine is everything's okay. I just want to have a good night with you. And I just want to love you. She went, mom. I said, we are, <laughs> we are living different realities right now. 
And I said, so you've got a really important choice. And she goes, what is that? And I said, I'd love to have you join mine. Mine is come get a hug. Let's cuddle. Let's say we're sorry. It was a crappy day. Let's have a yummy dinner and watch a movie. Or there's yours, which is judgmental and angry and attacking. And I'm not willing to join yours. So stay in yours if you want to, but not in my room. Or join me. Or let's come up with a third. And she said, what is going on? I said, I think I just realized something massively important. There's so many possibilities in any moment. And I'm not going to choose the one that you're choosing. And she said, I can literally lay down with you and everything will be fine. I said, as long as you choose for it to be. And my brain just went. But it's true. Like we do create our own reality based upon what we say, what we think, what we feel, what we choose. And we also do that with others. And part of that is deciding, well, how do I step in or do I step in? And in really grasping that, it changed how I live my life in so many ways. Because my thought is when I'm feeling mad, sad, bad, frustrated, self-pity, whatever it might be, I got to look at myself and say, why are you choosing this? And sometimes I'll say, because I'm going to, darn it, or because this is this is all I can do right now. Okay. But sometimes I I can do quite a bit more. And so then I'll ask myself, you know, is there just a little bit of a better thought that I can have than this? You know, I'm a widow and I'm alone and why don't I get to have a partner and I hate being single? Is there a little bit of a better thought I can think than that? Yeah, I'm really grateful that that I have beautiful people in my life and I have wonderful clients and I do for the most part like me. And I do think at some point I'll be in a relationship and I really look forward to that time. And it's okay at times to be sad and just keep moving up a little bit. So then it doesn't feel quite as dark. I am not someone who says do not truly own what reality is. I think you, I think you need to I think you have to, but there is a place of what do you focus on within that reality for what serves you and what doesn't serve you. So I'm known in Orange County as the reframe queen because I have a skill, maybe it's a gift for looking at a situation and instead of just looking at the dark, looking at a possibility of growth or change. Now, I want to be careful about something with this because it can sound really Pollyanna. I'm not saying when you're in deep, 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 deep depression or you have been abused that that you're going to be in that place. It's not something to really do in crisis. Crisis trauma is a very, very different experience. And you've got to do everything you possibly can to take care of yourself and stay in what is your reality as much as possible to, to help yourself in the way that you need to take care of yourself. But as soon as you're out, there is a place to start looking at, are my thoughts allowing me to heal? So I'll ask myself, does this thought help me or does this thought hurt me? And if the thought hurts me because I don't ever want to hurt myself, I know that I am doing something that doesn't honor me. How much it helps me might be a teeny bit or it might be massive. That depends upon my ability 
But if I'm doing something that hurts me, I try to recognize it and then really look at what's going on within me that I'm hurting myself Mm -hmm. or allowing myself to be hurt. Why am I not taking better care of me? It's really just a basic having an awareness, isn't it, really? I mean, because we we grow up without ever thinking about those things. And when you do start doing that regularly and just stopping yourself and having an awareness around what am I thinking, it's so powerful. Especially women. Mm. Especially for women. I know I was raised to not be selfish, Mm. to always care about other people's feelings, to make certain everyone is happy. And it, it, it sounds lovely, but at some point you've got, you've got to take care of you. And if my focus is always, you need to be happy. You need to have what you want. I'm here to take care of you. No one is taking care of me. And as anybody who's a people pleaser will know, or it's someone who has anxious attachment, like you're the perfect person to join with someone who's selfish or lazy or narcissistic because they're looking for someone or dependent. They're looking for someone to take over their life and do it for them. And, you know, people pleaser more than happy to, because then you feel valued out of being needed. And I think that's such a problem for so many women in this world that we're looking for others. I heard a, a podcast that was with Ram Dass and it was, it was just brilliant. And what he said is we come into the world as a baby knowing we're perfect. We're absolutely perfect. And we start to pick up social cues from our caregiver of what they enjoy and what they like about us. And we learn that and we're very adept at that. Get around two or three and we start to socialize. And all of a sudden we start to become aware that certain behaviors are accepted And certain behaviors are not. And if you act in certain ways, other children won't play with you or the teacher like won't allow you to play in that way. So there's this split within ourselves where we start to feel like I'm not good enough on my own. Mm -hmm. I'm only good enough if you approve of me. And I think that's where humans have really undermined our ability. I was thinking about bullying the other day. And how we try so hard to be nice and to be supportive and to be uplifting. And if we just told our children, if someone's mean to you, don't play with them because they're mean to you. And that's it. Not that you have to fight back, not that you need to put them down, not that they're not able to be that way. But I was raised, you have to get along with everyone and you have to try to make everyone happy. So I tried to make bullies happy, Mm -hmm. which is hurtful to me. So if we just said, if someone's nice to you, great. You have fun with someone, great. You learn from someone, great. You want to hang around someone, great. Someone's mean to you, puts you down, hurts you, don't play with them. We -hmm. would be so much healthier, but we're not raised to really take care of ourselves. We're raised to try to impress others. Oh, yeah. At the That's, loss of ourselves. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you for being on this journey of healing and community with me. If you listen on Apple, I would love it if you could take a moment to post a review for the podcast. It would mean a lot. 
check the show notes for all links recommended in this episode. If you're on Instagram, follow me at my big love project and please share this episode with someone you know needs to hear it. Thank you for joining me. You are such an incredible soul because you are you. You are unique. Your journey is unique and you can absolutely change the world with your story. Your time is precious and I so appreciate you being here. Thanks for joining me. I'll catch you next week. Thank you.